0: As you might know, I love online courses. I can't get enough of them. I love talking about that. And that's why I was so excited about this week's guest on the Blissful Biz Show. I'm talking to Susie Clark, an amazing entrepreneur who's helping high achievers create online programs and launch them. And yeah, so um, she's sharing her predictions about online programs and what works in 2023. We talk about that. We also talk about her best background, life in Bali, um, her journey, and other things. It was a really amazing conversation. Unfortunately, the internet in Bali was kind of um not really working the best. So we turned off the cameras. So you can only listen to the audio, but I still hope you really enjoy our conversation. Hey Susie, welcome to the Blissful Biz Podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Okay, so can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what you do, what has your journey been like, where did it lead?
1: Yeah, so I'm Susie. I'm the founder of Female Leadership Collective. Um, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm British, um, but I actually live in Bali and I've been here for the last three years. Um, so in terms of my business, um, I help women uh, start and scale online businesses, specifically in like the digital product space. So people like coaches, influencers, consultants, um, and it really is such a passion of mine helping women grow their businesses. So I actually come from a corporate banking background. I used to work for uh, the world's largest investment bank. And I'm sure we'll dive into this in a little bit more depth. But really, I, you know, society viewed my job as one of the most impressive jobs you could get at the time. But and, and it was very, like, you know, glamorous and all of those things. But Really, I went through this absolute meltdown <laughs> oh. when I realized this career just absolutely wasn't aligned with me. So, long story short, years went by. Um, but I got the courage to quit and book a one-my ticket out of the UK. And fast forward to today, I now run female leadership collective and I get the chance to help other women break free from their corporate careers and um, create freedom in their lives as well. So that's
0: a little little quick summary. I love that. Thanks so much. Um, so you've been in Bali before the pandemic already? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh my God, we could have met there. <laughs> I left Bali lately. Oh, like- really? March twenty twenty, yeah, I was like, you know, I planned that I went back to Germany for a few months, and Mm. then obviously, hmm, life happened. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, maybe we did cross paths. Who knows? Yeah, I was in Chengdu the last winter. Yeah, that winter was. Yeah, that's where I live. (laughs) (laughs) How funny! It must have been really interesting. um, The change then with the pandemic, and Mm. you know, suddenly the island being completely in lockdown and. And now I think it's crazy again, right? Yeah, Bali
1: has changed so much in the last three years, obviously. I got here just before COVID was even a thing and it was super busy back then. And it was so buzzy, so many people uh, working remotely and um, people on holiday and then obviously the pandemic hit and honestly the it was just a ghost town it was the the local people really really struggled because obviously the island relies on yeah. tourism um and it really was such a ghost town but i think around 6 months ago they opened the airport and it is i think it, there's more people here than there were before i think changu's really having its time and it's just It's crazy. But at the same time, a lot of people complain about it. But I actually really love to see this energy. I love to see, like the happiness that people have being able to travel again, and all the joy and and that kind of thing. I just don't love the traffic.
0: (laughs) Oh, that was crazy. The traffic. And that stupid shortcut, right? You used drive yeah the part.
1: Yeah, although they've oh. really paved it so it's actually really smooth now
0: okay yeah <laughs> that's good to know <laughs> yeah um I, what i loved about bali was that or what i found really inspiring was that environment of entrepreneurs but I mean, mm-hmm. you have like that spiritual side. I went to Bali first for a yoga teacher training and it's amazing, obviously, for that. Um, but then I also like, then I joined the co-working spaces, um, because it was back in 2016, the, of, even before that, 2015. The only place where you had good internet. So and then yeah. suddenly it was like, oh my God, who are all those people? What are they doing? Oh my God, <laughs> all those opportunities. And it just opened me up to see what's really possible today. Because let's to realize like a few years ago, before that, um, having an online business was something that was so exotic. <laughs> <laughs> Not really possible, and um now it's like you meet people from all over the world doing amazing things in Bali. I love that about that place,
1: yeah, oh my God I think Suzanne, we have very similar stories i I came to Bali um as soon as I quit my corporate job, and I did a yoga teacher training as well, and it wasn't really out of um well I love yoga but it wasn't really out of wanting to be a teacher it was just I needed to do something different like I needed to just do something that felt a little bit crazy and so I I went and did a yoga teacher training on Nusa Lembongan I'm not sure Mm. if you visited yeah yeah of course I've been there yeah Yeah. And then I, and then I did the same thing. I went to the dojo co-working space to just see what it was all about. Everybody kept telling me about this place. I didn't really know what it meant. And I saw all these people working from their laptops and I was like, wow, it's a real thing when you actually see things in real life and when it can expand your perspective like that. And exactly the same as you, I just saw what was possible. And from that moment on, I was like, I need to have this life.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love <laughs> that. And it's so easy to forget that when you are in that environment and it's so normal. Yeah. Everybody's doing that. And I don't know about you, but it, when I'm in Hamburg with my friends, like from, you know, like, they just have no idea what I'm doing or my family. Yeah. They really don't understand it. And um, and um obviously, like a lot of my students or staff I mean, they're maybe in the same situation. They don't really see the opportunities or what's possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I I think this is is tricky because there's always that saying, isn't there? You can't be what you can't see. And the thing is, um, there's so many people out here doing this. And there's people in Bali from all over the world, which I think is just one of the most wonderful things about here, the community being so diverse. But for people at home who are in the cities, they really are in their own bubbles. And it is difficult to see what life is like out here. So, yeah, definitely. That uh, I'm actually running a retreat here in Bali in May for that very reason um, called The Reset. And it was, it, I just basically built the retreat that I wish I had when I was back in corporate and I needed to see a way out, right, and be able to see examples of people who are living these lives and just learn from them. So yeah, it's a real challenge to see that when you're in your environment of, of the Western country and, and in the city in particular.
0: Yeah, because you have social media, but, you know, that's different. It doesn't feel as real, I think, exactly. as you really. would. Oh, and I love that idea of the retreat. Can you tell me more about that? Um, what exactly yeah, is it going to look like?
1: Yeah, so basically, at that time that I mentioned when I quit my corporate job, I was really looking for, I, I needed like a mixture of something exciting, like adventure, but also I needed a lot of healing because I'd been putting myself through a job for a long time that my body and my mind just didn't want to do. So I had a lot of healing work to do. And then at the same time, like I needed more wellness. I needed to improve my posture. I needed to like lose a little bit of weight because I put on so much in the the tech company when I was unhappy and this kind of thing. And I just really needed this reset, basically. So I I couldn't find anything at the time that was ideal for me. So I just went and did a yoga teacher training and it was really transformative and amazing, but, I I kind of feel that there's not that there wasn't anything in the market for a woman coming from um, a high powered job who was making a change and needed all of those things like adventure, wellness, um, healing, business coaching and community. And so this is how I was like, right, well, I'm just going to make it myself. <laughs> um, so I I've, I've created a week-long retreat in May called The Reset. And it's gonna be in Ubud and it's in a luxury filler. And this is the benefit, right, of being here. I could I just hopped on my scooter and went around and looked at some fillers and I was like, this is the one. It's so beautiful. There's like waterfall in front of the uh-huh. infinity pool. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm just so excited to to bring um to bring women
0: from all over the world to have this really special week. I love that. It sounds amazing. Yes, definitely. I what would, I would have needed to. I mean, I wasn't working in finance, so oh, well, probably I was working in advertising. I was earning good money too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um. But yeah, sounds really great. So I thought about doing something—a a retreat, a business building retreat here in Mallorca
1: oh, later beautiful.
0: in the year. So I thought I'm. I'm. I already knew that I didn't want to stay in Bali before the pandemic. So I was always yeah. thinking I'm going to settle down in the south of Europe. And mm. so I've just been traveling around and I thought it would be Portugal, but then this winter, I don't know, some it just didn't feel right. And mm. and then a very spur of the moment, <laughs> I ended up on my in Mallorca. And right now yeah. I'm actually in an Airbnb because it's too cold for van life and there's not really infrastructure here on the island for camping. So um yeah, but I can totally see myself living here. Oh,
1: that's wonderful. I, actually, New York is on my list um, for this year. It just, uh, I've, i like, being in Asia for so long, obviously over the pandemic has made me really uh appreciate Europe and the different cultures in all packed in and in this land that is Europe and I and I kind of feel like growing up in the UK I took it for granted a bit you know like we're, we're so so easy access to all these countries and all these cultures and now being far away for the last three years I'm like that is amazing that there's all these languages all these amazing cultures um in such close proximity of each other so yeah yeah definitely Europe trip
0: on the cards this year. I mean, I love Bali and I still miss it sometimes. What is like, I'm so emotional, <laughs> my connection yeah. to Bali too. But, um, but it's a crazy bubble that you live in as an expert, especially in Chengguo, Ubud. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think most people just think, okay, that's fine for a while. And then you also have to, a lot of people leaving all the time, arriving, right? So. Yeah. That's that stability, really. Place. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about the beginning stages um, when you um, started your business? Were there any roadblocks or mental barriers at the start, something that stands out?
1: Yeah, loads. <laughs> so um, as most business owners uh, experience, so I came to Bali and quit my corporate job with no kind of plan, no uh, knowledge of what I was going to do I just really knew that I just had to do something different for my own like mental well-being. Um, so when I got here I tried various different things so I did a lot of freelancing I just kind of like took the odd job that I could take in terms of through people that I met. Um, I then uh started an e-commerce brand so i actually had an e-commerce brand called frank and iris which was um, screen glasses and i built this um, mission-led part of it where for every pair sold we would donate 50 to charity to restore someone's sight because I was, I was all about mission-led things. I was really thinking about you know when I create a business, I want it to be intentional and I want to feel the impact and the purpose of running it, which was something that was lacking in my corporate career. And so I did that for a while. I also um, got a remote job as well at the time. Um, This was quite early on in the pandemic. And there was a a crypto startup hiring for someone to run their Asia um, sales and Asia client base. And so they hired me to do that. And I was like their 16th hire and it was a crazy job. It was I was just really just stuck in an air-conditioned room every day on Slack. And I realized I was replicating my corporate career in Bali. And the thing is, I think for anyone listening, the learnings from this kind of thing is that people can paint the dream of being a digital nomad and working remotely, but there's so many different ways you can do that. You can freelance, you can run a business, you can have a remote job, but really it's not necessarily about where you're living it's actually about the freedom that you have so I think what I learned from that was actually freedom is made up of three things like time location and financial freedom and and this remote job just was not giving me time freedom (laughs) whatsoever so I just ended up feeling the same as I did in my corporate job so Those are two of my two of my failures. Um, the e-commerce brand failed in the sense that it just wasn't, I mean, it didn't fail as such, but I realized that actually it just wasn't giving me enough fulfillment. So people would email me being like, Wow, the glasses have stopped my headaches and thank you so much. But then that would be it. And I just what I just really desired and craved more community and more longevity with my client base. Um so those are two failures I would say I ended up quitting the remote job after a year I was like I cannot do this and at that point I was like right I felt like I was at the beginning again beginning again and I was like what can I do now so I I jumped around kind of freelancing um and my background by the way is sales I've been in sales for 10 years um and I was freelancing, helping lots of coaches, community builders, just with their copywriting, with their launches, with their selling. Um, And I just kind of naturally fell into that and got a lot of clients through word of mouth. And just seeing their business models, I realized like, wow, this is so lucrative. And also just seeing the things that their clients would say to them around how they transformed their lives. I was like that is the kind of impact I want to have in my own business. Um, and I, I helped people have like 75k launches. And I I was like, I should be doing this myself. <laughs> Why am I not doing this myself? So then Female Leadership Collective was born and I, I started with the podcast. So I have a podcast as well, which I I just love doing podcasting. Um, and it, And it grew from there really. So I guess the moral of the story is to... Quit things if you're not enjoying them, if they're not aligned, if they're not it, and the, continue the search because that's the only way that you can find the dream business. Um, does that answer the question? know <laughs> was quite a long winded say, but definitely a lot of failures.
0: Well, I love that, and all, yeah, that you really it was the same, right? And you just need time to experiment as well. And I think actually, it never stops evolving. What you do. Mm. So you can't wait until you have that perfect idea and strategy. You just need to take action and start yeah. living your dream. Right. Yeah. And I think exactly. the same is true for every business and probably like in five years, our businesses are going to look completely different. Maybe not, but you know, it's like probably. And yeah, yeah, I just love that about being an entrepreneur that it's this always learning, always changing, always evolving.
1: Yeah, I, just, I totally agree. And I think a big part of it as well is when you when you make a big change, like quitting a job or starting a business, it can be so easy to just look around at what everybody else is doing and think, oh, they made money quite fast. I'm just going to start that. I'm just going to do that um, and kind of chase the money a little bit instead of taking confidence in the fact that like a lot of my community are like real high achievers and, that come from like big kind of corporate jobs. And I say to them, you just take some confidence in that you made a success of pretty much anything you've done in your life. So you can pick any business and make a success of it. And obviously there's going to be challenges and ups and downs, but you might as well pick one that feels truly, truly aligned because I think when I think back to the start of this journey, I always wanted to be a mentor, I always wanted to be a coach, I always wanted to help people. But I think back then, I kind of looked around, and I just didn't have the confidence. And so I just copied what other people were doing, There were these people making all this money in e commerce and um, people, and, and then just took a remote job because it felt safe. And actually, you know, over that time, I got the confidence to start Female Leadership Collective, and perhaps the experience. But at the same time, I think there's a lesson in that to just really channel into intuitively what is it that you want to do and what are the deep values that you have and is the business model that you're choosing aligned and going to allow for that in your life because if not then you, there's it's always going to feel difficult
0: I 100% biggest... yeah i think having a strong vision is going to be is so helpful I think it's really difficult to build a business without that because yeah like getting out of your comfort zone again and again and um maybe sometimes I don't I don't believe really in in the hustle in having to work like really crazy hours and staying up at night and to getting things done but of course there are phases when you're building mm-hmm. up a business where there's a little bit more hustle and I think when you have a really strong vision that's what keeps you going
1: yeah yeah, I totally agree. And I I think specifically with this business model, so I, I help women uh, create courses and group programs. And that's really my, my specialty. And with that specific business model, that there is definitely phases, like at the start, it is quite demanding, because the what you're doing is you're creating an asset, you're, you're investing your time and money into creating this asset, which should reward you like for years to come like it's worth the investment of time but it's kind of a phase that you can't really skip um and there's a lot of building to do there's a lot of mindset to do and a lot of identity shifting to do so
0: definitely there's phases in in that specific business model for sure I know I've been there when I started my business like 2016 and the first years I was working so much and I didn't really see the return of investment, right? Because I had I had no audience and I just low ticket courses. (laughs) So don't do that. Um but um and then I was still freelancing um for like six months a year. I was like going back to Germany, freelance for a few months, go back to Bali. So I wasn't in any hurry to yeah. make money so I think that was holding me back a little bit But it's okay but um I also feel like like I'll, sometimes I'll have that thought why do I do that to myself I should just like freelance for six months and make enough money and then um enjoy life in Bali for six months instead of sitting in the co-working space uh, while it's a beautiful day inside in this air-conditioned dark room <laughs> working on I don't know (laughs) content for an online program but because I had that vision because I knew like there was so much more going to happen and it was going to evolve and grow so much more than being staying as a freelancer that would have been static right there was no possibility to scale really
1: to grow yeah yeah The freelancer business model, because I help a lot of freelancers move into more of a scalable, uh, like away from one-to-one, away from done for you to more scalable products like courses. But it's definitely limiting that business model but it's a great place to start and learn the trade and learn the skill and get some confidence and get some testimonials and that kind of thing definitely mm. uh, but if you know if you want to then carve a life where you have more freedom where you can work less over time then something needs to shift in the business model because a freelancer business model just can't it's it it can't allow for that
0: yeah 100%. So let's talk more about online courses is one of my favorite subjects as well. Yes. And I think so much has changed since I launched my first course 2016. I don't know when you started. Um, but what have you seen? Like what is, what trends do you see for 2023 when it comes to launching an online program?
1: Yeah, I'm seeing a lot more. Um, well, I'm seeing in the coaching industry in general, like, there's been this a bit of a divide i think around money i don't know if you're noticing this um and i think there's a lot of people who are selling on the amount of money that they make each month and and, and that kind of thing as a goal and i think i'm seeing a bit of a divide in the industry of people who are a bit anti that and of people who are a bit for that and i think my take on it is just jumping back to what we were saying before around phases and yeah, it's great to aim for these like industry kind of benchmarks, right? But at the same time, you don't really know the full story. Like how much is that person reinvesting into the business? How much was that person's cost? So I'm seeing a big shift actually in the sales culture in the industry. Um, so not necessarily like the course design in general, but the the way that people enroll. Um, and I think I'm seeing a lot more... I'm seeing a lot more like peer regulation in terms of how people are selling. So it's a little bit more uh, people calling people out in the sense of just being too focused on monetary rewards and things like that. And then actually being a bit more transparent in their sales process and a bit more transparent in their business in general. And I think that's a really good um, I think that's real good progress in in terms of, you know, shifting the sales culture because this industry is unregulated and I very much am of the camp that it's so important to sell from an authentic place because the way that you sell and the way that you bring people into your programs sets the tone for the energy inside your programs. So, you know, if you're employing kind of, a lot of scarcity tactics and a lot of kind of convincing and this weird energy, then you're probably going to find weird energy inside your group dynamic. Um, so I'm just seeing a lot more kind of intention and consciousness when people are designing their sales uh, processes. And I, I really, as a salesperson, I really, really love that. So that's probably um, the first change. I don't know if you're seeing this in the industry as well.
0: Oh, definitely, especially um that building a connection, the personal connection, the relationship building part, that gets so much bigger. Also because, yeah. of course, video is so huge today on social media. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Everybody's yeah. craving authenticity in video and w- wants to get to know the person, basically, that you want to buy from
1: yeah I think it's the shift from actually we don't have to do it in the way that we've always done it and people starting to get success from other ways and starting to question why why that's always that's always the method taught, right and I think as someone who's been in sales for 10 years that a lot of these tactics come from kind of the bro Silicon Valley <laughs> the vibe which I was a part of previously in the previous corporate life but I think what I'm seeing is this rise of and I call it female like feminine leadership, this rise of being able to sell in a way that feels aligned to you and not necessarily having to design the process with these tactics that 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 do work i'm not gonna lie like they do work, but at the same time they they don't they're not necessary they're not essential so i'm I'm loving seeing a lot of creativity in the industry in terms of the sales process and Um, I'm loving people just kind of leaning into how they want to do it and just experimenting and testing. That's definitely something that I, I love to see as, you know, as a salesperson.
0: Oh, yeah. That's definitely where I am right now as well. (laughs) I just stopped using like deadline funnel, all my email sequences that I relied on to launch courses and just let it flow more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's interesting to get the balance because. I think the challenge is that people generally they people get in their own way in the sales process, right? Like they might, they might love to buy your course, but then fear gets in the way and actually like it it is the best possible thing for them to be on that course. So sometimes having some emergency or having some sort of gentle push in that sense can actually help someone get comfortable to buy. Um And it, benefit them but at the same time there's other there's other sides to this where it's too pushy or it's too you know it's just a little bit icky so it's it's about finding that balance and I I think in different situations things um things have a place and then in some situations it's just like actually I don't like doing it in that way so I'm gonna try something else and see if that
0: works Yes. And it might also depend on your audience. I think, especially when you work yeah. with people in the wellness world or, um, and your clients are maybe people who went through a trauma or who struggle with anxiety. You don't want yeah. to, to really put pressure on them with some really pushy timers, like really shouting out last songs and would, mm-hmm. your life will be a misery when you don't join. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, we've often seen those launches. Um, where they really, they, the fear of missing out, the form it's so big. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I still feel that still when I teach people how to launch an online course for the first time, it's helpful to have some kind of structure, structured launch plan to follow because yeah. otherwise they would end up playing small and just send out one email and feel aligned with that. <laughs> yeah i, I like, like agree something more. like that
1: yeah yeah i couldn't agree more i think what i see most with clients and clients who come to me is that especially if they're launching for the first time or what i see more often is people who have launched and it and it flopped and they've got this launch trauma i call it <laughs> launch trauma and um i i most of the time what they're not doing right is they're not selling enough and people people assign this kind of negative connotation to selling but it doesn't have to be that way at all and exactly what you said maybe they sent out one email or two emails or maybe they put it on their story once and the thing is people just in this busy day and age people probably didn't even know they had anything for sale right so Um, with the right kind of marketing strategy or the right sales strategy that is aligned to that person, they could get completely different results. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing I do see, people just
0: being scared to to even sell at all. What role do you see social media playing when it comes to launching and selling online courses compared to a few years ago? Has it changed? Yeah. Um, I... (sighs)
1: yes definitely and i think again along alongside of the theme that we've been talking about there's more um you can't you can't get away with as much right like people call people out and there's kind of this natural sort of um what's the word kind of Mm, survival of the fittest isn't the right phrase but you know you know what i mean like people aren't going to get the success that they would have got previously with these kind of shady tactics um people are more intelligent to this these days and i but but i also i also take the take the seat that social media is amazing I think it's amazing it actually gets such bad rep and I understand why because it's built to be addictive and all of these kind of things but at the same time when you think about what can happen in terms of you can find someone who has an incredible solution to help you with this deeply deeply troubling challenge in your life that's really holding you back in life and making you feel rubbish and you can stumble upon someone on social media you can watch their stories you can binge their content and you can really feel like ah this is the person I want to work with you can and without that person even knowing who you are and I think that's such a wonderful thing that's such a wonderful buying experience that someone can do that Um, because you can't get that as much from a website from a from a sales page so I think social media when used correctly when used well and honestly and transparently by the founder I think is it creates a, an amazing buying experience
0: oh I 100% agree yes and I think you described it really beautifully um that the opportunity the chance that you have to really get to know your potential mentor or teacher and learn more about them and their style and if you really resonate with them and that's something completely new right this is actually yeah. like five years ago when you I don't know you wanted to become a life coach and you looked at life coach trainings and you just had to look like okay they have a beautiful website but you had no ideas about what kind of persons they were what really was their style how they talked <laughs> if you really resonated yeah. with them
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, and another a similar kind of example is, is the influencer industry. They get a bad rep sometimes these days, especially in Bali. But one of my clients is a popular influencer in the UK, and she's created. She's um, been launching her course, and just working with her made me realise like how wonderful this this experience actually is when an influencer is authentic and genuine and when we think about what that kind of relationship is between them and their followers their followers trust that person so much and enjoy watching their content that this this influencer is often putting out for free um, so, so much that they trust their recommendations and maybe they will buy something that the influencer uses and I think that's kind of, I think that's quite nice when you compare to buying something from a Facebook ad or something a bit colder, right? Like what, what do we used to do before? Buy from like a TV ad or something, you know? I know. So I just think it brings this nice human element. But as as I say, you can, the, the system gets abused like any system. Um, but on the whole, I think there's some really amazing things that have come out of social media.
0: Yes, 100%. Um, Are there any other trends that you see when it comes to creating online courses, like how to deliver the content, how to structure it?
1: I think a need and a um, desire and demand from uh, the industry in terms of community more, more than ever. So I think, you know, we've had a history of the last few years of being very uh, a lot of like self-study courses and just creating a, a passive income course right which is great and I understand why that really benefits the business owner but I think especially after COVID what a lot of people are craving is community and connection with other people and not just not necessarily like in-person connection but at, but connection with people who are like-minded and I think in the space that both of both you and i are in uh it can be really tricky to find like-minded people like you were mentioning right like back in your home country it's hard to find people who are on the same journey so i think in terms of courses i've seen the shift towards actually having a lot more emphasis on community and having maybe like a slack group or facebook groups and kajabi have just released their communities feature and a lot of the providers are kind of building this in so that it's easier for course creators and I I totally understand why because when you are surrounded by a group whilst you're on this journey of trying to transform or change in whatever way that is if you've got other people doing it with you it's just more joyful it's just more fun and you're much more likely to get results because it becomes this community I think I was listening to a podcast by Seth Godin recently and he was talking about you know why people go to gyms and actually people go to gyms uh because of the community and to be someone that goes to the gym right and once you start to hang around with the people that go to the gym you don't want to miss out so you become someone who goes to the gym and then you get better results because you're going to the gym it's similar with a course and when you when you build that community factor in you want to be part of it so you want to show up you want to be part of the group you want to be sharing you want to be being updated on other people's experiences and transformations so I love this trend and I love this shift because I think it benefits everyone and also from a selfish point of view as the business owner I there is probably nothing better that that sense of like reward when my community are like answering each other's questions in face in the facebook group right and then i'm like jumping in to coach on the questions and i'm like oh wow they've all given each other feedback that's just so wonderful so so powerful um so that, yeah that's definitely something i'm seeing a big big shift towards
0: yeah i love that too i mean about programs that i've been in so it was like the facebook group was the biggest incentive and yeah. um and in the way I run my programs as well. Always part yeah. of it. Yeah. I it's think it so might bad. also depend on the content, right? On the topic. Um, what's like, because you've worked with a lot of people, what's like the weirdest niches for online courses that you've worked with or that you saw having really great successes? Because a lot of people think, yeah, I'm not teaching people how to build an online business or in business. So it's not going to work. I can't make money.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't think I've really had any, like, really niche ones. Um, but I one of my clients had a – I thought was a great idea where she is – well, she's still launching at the moment, but she is a wedding planner. And she was like, I really want to um, – make this accessible to everyone because wedding like having a wedding planner um is you know relatively uh, well to a lot of people, they can't necessarily afford that luxury, but lots of people get married. So she was like, I'm going to create a course where you can actually just learn the basics of how to plan an amazing wedding from a wedding planner. And you get all of her resources in terms of like supplier list and thing like things like that. And I just thought that's An amazing idea. And I think on the surface, you'd probably think, oh, how could a wedding planner go digital? How could a wedding planner create a digital business? But that is like a multi million dollar idea, in my opinion. And I think that could really disrupt that industry. So I think it's not necessarily a bit crazy and out there, but it's an example of where anything can become a course. Everybody has a course inside of them. And anyone can impact another person through creating an online course even like a wedding planner which is yeah.
0: something predominantly physical so but that's an amazing yeah. idea I love that yeah I uh, do you do that as well like every new person I meet and <laughs> when they have like a completely different life and like one of the a baker or and uh, I'm like yeah. I always come up with ideas oh you should do an online business sometimes it's a little bit yeah. overwhelming for my friends but I just like I love it so much <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. Like (laughs) when you're in this world, every, your brain just ticks with ideas and with anything, right? Yes. I had like once, one of my housemates actually in Bali, he was used to work as a cameraman, but he had, um, some shoulder issues. So it was problematic. Um, so because obviously he has to carry all those heavy cameras. And so he was actually getting into gardening. And so I was like, you have to start an online business about gardening. (laughs) And we call it the hot gardener because he was a really hot guy, not like that frumpy gardener (laughs) person that you imagine. And hot because it's tropical gardening. He was completely overwhelmed and he wasn't ready for it, but I still believe that idea. I love that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely viral on YouTube, like some sort of YouTube channel.
0: Kind of thing. I could definitely see that. (laughs) You have that hot guy surfer dude, (laughs) right? (laughs) Naked chest, gardening. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, why not? Um, But I think that's the thing. You like, even if you aren't in like a business person and you don't really know what you're really good at, look at what hobbies you have or what you're really passionate about and what you're really excited about and. And stop there. I think this was one example. Um, she built like a million dollar business and her online course, her first online course was about caramelizing apples or something.
1: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think there's, um, I mean, one of the trends that I saw a few years ago, people, and there's a few like leaders in the industry now, um, is, is folding there's people who have made like courses on folding clothes and folding things in a certain way and yeah maybe it was a pandemic thing or something when people were bored at home but like I've seen some people I swear there's a a pair of girls that like are making like millions of dollars through this and it's just it just I think a big part of it is entertainment and providing community and this, like, little niche thing skill. Um, But it's not, yeah, it's not necessarily just learning the thing. It's, like, being part of something. Um, So, yeah, there's so many ways you can create Mm. online businesses and courses and deliver value. What are the biggest mistakes you've seen? Um, I would say... um, so similar to what I said before, not selling enough, because actually this is a big one that what's the point of creating a course if you can't get anyone in it, um, of that. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I mean, the, to if you're going to create a course, you have to work on sales mindset and get comfortable selling and understand and learn selling. And I think a lot of people just say, oh, I'm not, I'm just not a salesperson. I'm just not very good at it. But actually... If you're going to run a business, you have to be a salesperson. So you might as well just start learning and, and adopt start adopting that identity, right? So that's probably one big mistake that I see. Um, what else do I see? I think I also see a lot of people who get scared about not offering enough value. So they create this like kitchen sink course where they just put absolutely everything into it. And then the problem is with that is actually it doesn't serve the client very well. You might think that you're giving all this amazing value and over delivering and all of this, which is great but actually what you want is you want to create change you want to create a transformation you want the client to get a result and actually part of that might be making your course um optimized in a way that people can finish it and not get overwhelmed so it's about really thinking about the learner experience and am I packing too much into this or do or could I just instead of trying to get this massive massive transformation just break it down a little bit um so that people can actually finish the courses there's a stat that like Five to fifteen percent of people finish courses. It's so depressing. <laughs> like it's so low. So you really, really, it's important to think about client delivery and 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 the learner experience and how you're going to incentivize and help that person get through the content and finish it. And it and adding more to it and over delivering often isn't the right answer. It's actually doing an injustice to the client, even though that's not the intention. So that's probably another one.
0: Yeah, thank you. Definitely. 100% agree. It's such a common mistake, especially you also want to share just everything you know. You're afraid yeah. that otherwise people are not going to see you as the expert or they don't think it's valuable. And yeah, it's really important to always come back. What's the transformation? What do they really need?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think the other the, the other one I would say is that People don't understand their numbers. So, uh, something that I always teach is just this really basic average conversion. So, 2% of your email list on average converts. And I can't believe how many people don't know this or don't teach this. And this is the thing I get a lot of people come to me being like, my launch failed. And I'm like, okay, how many people are on your email list? And they tell me. And then I'm like, hey, okay, how many people signed up? And it was roughly 2%. People don't realize the average conversion rate is fairly low. And actually 2% is, it's 1% to 2%. 2% is
0: like more on the 2% percent. is actually good. Yeah. I, yeah. Think. I mean, it depends how warm your audience is, yeah. how, what a kind of connection you have. It's, I don't think it's yeah. really so much about the quantity. But yeah, if you have a really tiny audience, like we have only 100 people on your email list and... Two yeah. people buy, that's an amazing result.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I get a lot of people wanting to work one-on-one or wanting to just um, launch their course straight away and they haven't got an email list and it's just the wrong order to do things. Because when you, the great thing about knowing numbers is if you know that 2% converts, then you can kind of um, work backwards, right? You can go, okay, so this means I need to get this amount of people on my email list to have to to make whatever i want to make income wise from this launch so then you can work on list building and then you know when roughly you need to launch um and it's just a better informed kind of process so yes. that would be another mistake that i i see people making just not like not learning these things or understanding the data behind it
0: thank you that's been so helpful um <laughs> and um yeah i really love what you're doing um students are so lucky to have you love the idea of your retreat coming up and so where can people go to learn more about you and your offers yeah
1: so i i would say i'm most active on instagram so uh you can find me on uh, at suzy clark underscore so it's clark without an e and it's s-u-z-i-e so many different ways to spell Susie. right you probably get this all the time spelling your name. <laughs> Yeah. I get all sorts Um, and then also uh, my website so femaleleadershipcollective.com if you want to have a look at any of the programs or or anything like that um, is is the best way to find me but I would love to chat to anyone if if anyone wants to um, reach out to me in the DMs if any of this resonated or got any questions I just
0: I love I love meeting new people and, and chatting to people so feel free to reach out Thank you. We also added to the show notes and to Amazing. the uh, to the post, so people can reach out to you. Thanks so much for taking the time for being here, Susie. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure talking to you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Suzanne.
0: It was so much fun.